0: Hi, I'm Sarah Plana. I'm a PhD candidate in political science at MIT, where I research proxy warfare or what some call irregular or surrogate warfare.
1: And I'm Asfandi Armee, a postdoctoral fellow at Center for International Security and Cooperation at Stanford, researching US counterterrorism policies and US foreign policy in South Asia and Afghanistan.
0: So Asfandir and I have been following closely developments out of Afghanistan um, as of a few weeks ago there were leaks that U.S. intelligence assessed Russia had been paying bounties to the Taliban to kill U.S. soldiers there. So, Asfandir, why don't you start by outlining what we know so far?
1: So, back in June, New York Times ran a story that Russian intelligence had paid bounties uh, to the Afghan Taliban to kill U.S. soldiers inside Afghanistan. But uh, well, President Trump denied uh, knowing about it or being told about it. Uh, But since then, senior U.S. officials uh, have confirmed the broad contours um, of of Russia employing uh, bounties uh, in a bid to kill U.S. soldiers. The question is, why does it matter? Uh, And I think one reason is that there were 17 U.S. soldier deaths um, in 2019, 13 in 2018. And this raises the possibility that some of these deaths might have been due to Russia. Uh, another reason to care about it is that the U.S. has signed a peace deal with the Taliban recently. Um, and and this raises the question as to how sustainable is that deal uh, if the Taliban are now being aided uh, by the Russians to engage in sabotage against the U.S.
0: So this story is definitely troubling in the ways that you outline. But what's new and what's not new here about Russia's actions?
1: So so Russia's relationship with the Taliban is not entirely novel. In fact, uh, the two have had a robust political relationship, uh, and and there's been public acknowledgement of that by senior Russian officials. Uh, There's also some US reporting uh, available suggesting Russian lethal support to the Taliban uh, since 2014, if not earlier, including weaponry uh, and and money. Uh, But the question of Russian motives is still unclear. uh, we don't fully understand as to why Russia might be might be doing this.
0: Yeah, and in, outside of even the Afghanistan context, um, Russia's tool of paying armed groups for violence is definitely not new. Um, what is new, or at least what has caught my attention, is what this story says about Russia's shift in goal to directly attacking American forces. And I think that we should see this story as within a wider pattern in the past year or so of increasing Russian aggressiveness against U.S. forces in areas and in conflicts where both Russian and U.S. forces are operating or Russian backed forces are operating uh, alongside or near uh, U.S. forces. And in some of these cases, including in Syria, for example, there have been previously U.S.-Russian cooperation um, or at least deconfliction that now seems to be fraying.
1: That's an important point, Sarah. So given that, what do you think are some of the options available to the Trump administration?
0: As I see it, the administration has a number of options for how to counter this behavior directly, none of which are perfect. Sadly, research knows a lot more about the risks of possible responses and which actually might work to counter a proxy strategy or get a state sponsor to stop. So the first one is doing nothing, for example, um, which is in some ways, probably really unsatisfying, but would um, deny Russia a target uh, given that the U.S. would continue it with its plan of withdrawing from Afghanistan. The second option, which I know you've written about, as Svandir, is diplomatically rebuking Russia, which seems to be a no-cost scenario. The third option um, that I see is punishing the Taliban directly to convince it not to accept help from Russia, but that has its complications about um whether or not it will affect um, negotiations with the Taliban. And then on more escalatory options, they include sanctions, uh, which some have publicly called for, including John Bolton. Other escalatory options include tit for tat, um, responding in kind, though it's unclear how that would exactly look like in Afghanistan, where the U.S. is already supporting the Afghanistan government. And then the most escalatory is escalate to de-escalate model, which has been the Trump administration's preferred model in cases uh, with state sponsors that are not Russia.
1: Great, these are important options, um, Sarah, which really move the conversation away from a binary of no action and a major overreaction. You, know, you provide a calibrated set of uh, potential responses uh, and, and highlight that the question of response against Russia uh, is also not straightforward, even if uh, President Trump was willing another issue that that i'd like to highlight uh, here is that um, i think what gets lost in the conversation is the future of us engagement in afghanistan um, and i think that's a that's uh, that still in you know very much remains unresolved and doesn't get enough attention domestically uh, inside the, the the us
0: and i guess my concluding thought would be one issue that gets lost in a lot of the discourse about this story are that people are very quick to criticize the Trump administration for inaction and quick to call for some swift and intense retaliation against Russia. But even absent suspicions about the relations between the president and Russia, any effective American response to such an escalation may actually happen outside of the public eye, which would not necessarily satisfy those in the public and Congress who expect to see a public response. Great. Thank you.